Welcome to the Soccer Geeks Podcast, hosted by Jason Barbato. Hey everybody, welcome to the Soccer Geeks Podcast. I am your host, Jason Barbato. Alongside me is the best producer in the business, Miss Marissa Kelly. Marissa, how are we doing today? Doing well. Uh, glad to be here with you again virtually um, and super excited for today's interview. I think I feel like I say that every time, but I really am. Like just hearing people and, and how uh, they can have an impact in the soccer community, what they're doing, you know, it's all... It's all good for me. So, yeah. When you're, when you're talking about <laughs> soccer developing in our country and it's evolving every day, mm -hmm. there's an exciting conversation to be had with every person that's involved. And that's my personal feeling. Right. So you have a relationship with our guest today um, yes. and, and some familiarity. So I'd love for you to be able to kind of talk a little bit about that and then bring her on the show. So. Sure. You. Yeah. Uh, Amy Schweizer, she's a military spouse, mom, uh, former soccer player and she's a business owner uh i met her in september of 2019 i believe before the world shut down um in dc at a conference and we bonded over soccer and content and being women business owners and we've just remained in touch and i'm super happy to have her on the show because i think she's gonna uh be some give some really good insights into development um, soccer as a whole. And I'm really happy that we can, um, chat with her today. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Why don't you bring her on the show? Let's, let's get her out there. Hi, Amy. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Enjoy your conversation. I will be back towards the end and, uh, talk to you soon. See you, Marissa. Thanks, Marissa. Amy, I can't wait to get into it. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways there. I could say that uh, the the focus of your um, your business and your 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 growth and your heart towards the game is near and dear to my heart. Having family members that are also in the military, and I've got nieces and nephews across. Actually, I just have nephews, no nieces. My sister's pregnant, but we just found out it's a girl. So I keep thinking I'm having. <laughs> Uh, no a niece with her, but um, so excited to hear about kind of what you do uh, for uh, in the game of soccer for military families. But before we get into that, I'd, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your pathway as a player and just as a, as a professional being involved in the game, if you don't mind sharing that with our audience this morning. Yeah, of course. So um, I actually didn't touch a soccer ball like ever in my life until I was 16 years old, my sophomore year of high school. And that is because they didn't wow. have girls soccer in my hometown until then. Um, so I'm from a small town in Illinois. Um, and so at that point, I was on the basketball team and they were like, okay, we're starting a soccer team. Um, we need some of the athletes to join the soccer team because there, there were no soccer players. Um, so we were like, sure, we'll do it. So it just happened to be the sport I loved the most and was the best at. And so I went from um, high school, you know, first time ever touching a soccer ball to I played D3 and then I was able to play in the WUSL for a season in Cincinnati after that. So that was my path to soccer in between there always helping with camps coaching at my local you know rec association um yeah and being involved with it so that was just kind of the background um currently i run tiny troop soccer a developmental program um that's across the country and overseas so um soccer near and dear to my heart developmental proper training age appropriate soccer is very near and dear to my heart yeah I, that's 
absolutely fascinating. Now you in college, you say you, you went to a D3 school, but you got your degree in, in sports management during that time as well, correct? Yes. So my undergrads in finance, actually, but I went on after playing in the WSL, I went to grad school and I got my sport, my degree in sport management there. And I was always thinking I would be headed to um, work for a pro team and community relations. That's what I wanted yeah. to do. Um, I did get to intern with the Philadelphia uh, Kicks, the indoor, the pro indoor team when I was there. So that was really cool. Okay. And um, I mean, not to pry or ask too many questions, but you know, for you, were you were you married when you were working, you know, uh, towards your degree in in sports management? Was that kind of after your playing career? When, when did that kind of timeline us here meeting your husband, who's a service member? Yeah, so that was actually afterwards, which uh, Jason, we probably don't have enough time to talk about military spouse <laughs> employment. Sure. Um, but you know, my career was totally headed that way. Okay. Um, met my husband, and yeah. things got a little bit thwarted yeah 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 so uh, but maybe thwarted or maybe directed like let that's uh that's left <laughs> up to history right to look at it so i i'm, I'm you know i'm scoring points with your hubby there for you yeah 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 so so then you uh, you know be military spouse part of just that life is that you've got deployments every couple years really that mm -hmm. get changed you could be at a number of of military bases across the world you have this degree in sports management and finance your military wife, you know, you see lots of other, you know, military wives living on base and lots of kids and things like that. When you started kind of having played soccer, not being introduced to it to an older age, you kind of start honing in on seeing that need. Can you tell us a little bit about where you started to see the need that birthed the idea of tiny troop soccer? Yeah. So one, having started so late and being pretty talented at it, I always thought, man, if I would have started sooner, like where, you know, how much further could I have gone with this? So that was always an underlying thought in my head. Um, what actually brought me to starting Tiny Troops was the need for social interaction and physical activity for both my son and myself. We were actually in Okinawa, Japan, stationed there. Um, and man, we needed to get out of the house and I wanted to work. And, you know, we all know that soccer and physical activity also benefits mental health and emotional health. And so we really needed that to happen. And there was a lack of developmental programming, a lack of any programming really for kids under the age of five. Um, and ours is not like a super strict program. I don't believe in that that young, but we do a lot of the developmental activities, even just like, hey, let's like learn how to run without falling over, right? Like, yeah. let's get these things down, these foundational things we need to be that are age appropriate to move yeah. into soccer. So that's kind of where it started. And then once we, um, you know, once I got it going, there was just more and more, you know, like the need was evident, the demand was evident, people are just coming out. So I had to hire more coaches. Then once we all started moving back stateside, it kind of just, you know, I said, we need this everywhere. We need programming for our younger kids everywhere. So that's how it started. Now, was there, were there other programs for other sports or was this just kind of across the board for kind of the, the age? And, and honestly, a lot of the moms need socialization too, when husbands are deployed and things like that. Um, yeah. And even some of the dads, if the wives are the ones that are deployed, mm -hmm. you know, they need social interaction. So was this just across the board on military bases or was this specifically like there was a void in regards to soccer? Really across the board and just okay. since soccer's my thing. And that's that's uh, what started. Um, I, you know, I there's a handful of 
soccer educators in the country that are that are pretty popular that really focus on this young age group. Can you talk a little bit to who kind of are the biggest influencers for you as you were developing a curriculum and as you were kind of creating the the passion and the heart behind your program? Can you kind mm-hmm. of talk a little to that effect? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say there was one specific person. It actually started in grad school with my um, project, like the final project. I started a program tiny tot soccer so not tiny truths but tiny tot and what that is is a series of like four foot by three foot posters like with this graphic on it that has basic skills like walker you know sally the octopus says walk across these beams and so it was actually a whole project where um soccer associations can set up this this area for and their their tagline is if you can walk you can play and so i had done so much research into what what are the things like balance, coordination, those things will our kids need later on on the soccer field? And so I created a whole program of that. And so they've been running that for the past, I don't want to date myself, like 15 or 20 years in grad school. Um, And so that, so it was kind of an easy transition for me because I already had all the research and knowledge into it um, Mm -hmm. to start Tiny Troops, which is the actual like in-person session, coaching sessions. Yeah. Can you share with us maybe a story or two of some some kids or some families that kind of stand out to you through the years that you've just seen a lot of just the benefits of being part of the program that you've created? Yeah. So even just the other day, one of our coaches got um, a text message with a video of their U10 player. And it said, look, this all started with you with Tiny Troops, you know, six years ago. And so there's so many times, um, like at games, I'll hear parents say, at the at the rec league games, I'll hear parents say, man, these kids just need to know the fundamentals. And in my mind, I'm like, yes, yes, I know. Like, that's exactly what we need, right? So um, we, get, we get messages like that from parents all the time. Uh, my son started in my program at three and, you know, is on championship teams now and rec leagues and... Um, so we get that all the time. And even the not the not soccer skill stuff, we get feedback on. So the other day we got a text that said um, my kid was at hockey practice and they weren't quite listening. The coach wasn't really controlling it. And so he looked at me and I you know, pulled my ears like listening ears because they know that's what we do at our soccer practices. And he did it back and then started focusing. So, you know, we we try to lay that foundation that Yes, we're teaching soccer skills, but we're, we're teaching them how to be a part of a team, listen to a coach, listen to someone besides mom or dad. So we see success stories like that all the time. Yeah. And it's so great to get kids out and interacting with mm-hmm. sport and also reinforce a lot of the, you know, the things that parents would love to see for the kids, yeah. good, good, active listening, mm-hmm. engaged listening and, you know, kind of teaching and then performing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what you're asking them to do. Um, can you talk a little bit just at some of the, you know, give our listeners um, kind of a better understanding of what it's like and some of the dynamics of just living on base uh, across the world. You, you've lived, I imagine, in probably a half dozen different bases across the world and country. Um, but can you kind of speak a little bit to what it's like um, being a, a spouse and a mom and, and raising kids on a military base? Yes. So you're right. We've been to quite a few. So we've been married about 12 years now. And so we've been to California, Okinawa, Japan, 
Hawaii, and then now we're in North Carolina. So we've definitely jumped around quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so I explained bases. They're all it's a, it's it's their own city. It's its own city. So you have the grocery store, which we call the commissary. You have the exchange, which is what we like a mall, you would call it. Um, so, you, I mean, you have everything in that one, especially when you go overseas. Like when we lived in Japan, people said, well, what's it like? And I said, well, really on base, it's pretty Americanized. But then you, when you go off, you're like, oh yeah, I'm in a different country. You know, I kind of forgot about that. Um, so, you know, you have that, um, it's certainly a community within a community. I think you make relationships quicker because you kind of have to, like, you know, it's not like I'm with my family and I can put my best friend for 10 years can be my kid's school contact. I don't know a single person, but I need an emergency contact. So right. the person you see at the park, you're like, yeah, we chatted a bit and you're like, Hey, can I like, what's your phone number? Can I put you down? <laughs> And you're like, oh, yeah, right. What was your last name? And literally, like, that's who you put. So it's definitely um, a different, unique experience. Um, and you do have limited access to things. So that's one thing, um, kind of a hole I saw in programming was, um, you know, we go through one one community services, like that's who who runs our sports. And there's probably like one season a year. So and that's all you would get. So maybe like two, two months of soccer, two months of basketball. So there's not really um, the same equitable access to sport for our military kids as there are our civilian kids. Yeah. Uh, how how are parks and field space and grass space and open space and stuff like that? How are that? How's that on bases? I mean, are there are there soccer fields? Are there football fields? Are there baseball fields? Like, what is that? You know, I know it's a city, almost like an island unto itself, like yeah. a, its own cultural island unto itself. But but you know, can you talk a little bit to that effect of just the space for kids to be able to play in on base? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of fields because. Um, Sports is a big thing for the service members as well. So, you know, you have Marine teams, so they always want to keep them active. So there's definitely space. However, um, because it's federal government property, there's a lot of restrictions as to what that space can be used for. So if it's, a, you know, the, the two months of soccer sanctioned by the base, then, yeah, you know, that's going to be running on the base. But if it's a program like mine that's technically a private entity, you don't just have access to use the base. So then we usually have to go off base um, because of all the legalities. So right. is there room? Yes. Do we have access to that? Not really. Yeah, which, which is a huge challenge because not sometimes for, I mean, in my, in my experience, sometimes a lot of spouses don't have access off base. And right. that's, so, yeah, and so I'm just kind of not by with the minivan. Do you have a tiny tots bus that you come by and pick up? And no, but I, I do have a minivan, which I absolutely sure. love now, but I was yeah. totally one of those ones at first that I was like, I don't know, but now I'm the ultimate soccer mom. So not only yeah. do I have a, am I a soccer player? And I, I still play, uh, I played indoor on Sunday, Jason, and I've had to take a bath every night. <laughs> we, I mean, that's man, you would think. Yeah. You would yep. think I'm like 80 years old right now, but, um, you know, so not only am I a soccer player, I own a soccer business. I coach my son's rec league sometimes. So like I have the van, I am the ultimate soccer mom right now. That's awesome. I, I think it's great. You know, there's, it's, there's no shame in that as far as I know. No, not um, at all. Can you, you know, there's always the stories that we see of, uh, professional players that, 
you know, had military parents. They grew up kind of playing around the world on military bases and, in the, the, you know, being introduced to soccer through the cultures that were kind of an extension, whether they were in Europe or Germany or things like that or Spain. Can you talk a little bit to, you know, once players kind of are developed in your program, how, how smooth is it for a transition for families to find quote unquote competitive or club or even recreational teams on base? Are they, are they really forced to go off base? What does that look like? So most of the time we are, they are forced to go off base and that's simply because, well, you know, the same problem persists in civilian on base and off base lack of coaches. Right. So that's a a big problem. So especially there, it's a a lot of people may get voluntold is what we call it. Like, so the service members may be like, well, nope, you got to do this, but they don't know anything about soccer. Right. Or whatever they're coaching. And so um, there's, Definitely. Um, gosh, Jason, remind me what your first question was. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Talking about club, you know, kids being able to play club <laughs> or rec on or off base, how easy it is access for those families. To, I mean, you're a parent, you kind of, you know, yeah, you, yeah, said, yeah. you got the minivan, you got to schlep them on and off base. Um, so, yeah. so kind of to that, to that dynamic, you know? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, so my program, Tiny Troop Soccer, we say we are preparing your kids to successfully move into a recreational program. And so that's our goal is to give them all that stuff. So um, most of the time, people will access the local leagues in their areas um, off base. Mm-hmm. And competitive, though, that's a little different, Jason, because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times it can be political and like, you know, the, the kids off base have had the chance to grow up with that same team for five, six, seven, eight, ten years. Right. So, you know, the positions are kind of taken. We know mom and dad, like this is what it is. So you have a new kid as a military kid trying to come into that competitive program. And there's definitely some barriers like like you really have to prove yourself, you know, yeah. so it, it can get a little dicey, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, I just uh, I just always wonder how that would look. You know, you got kids that are have families that are stationed again across Europe and Okinawa, Japan, and things like that. Like, what are the opportunities there for kids to really grow through sport, whether it's soccer or baseball or football or rugby or whatever it would be, on or off base? Um, just that that dynamic, I think, is interesting to kind of know what options there are for the kids of service members. You know. Um, what would you say for your for yourself? You know, kind of what's the long term vision that you hope for Tiny Troops? Um, you know, whether it be on base, off base. I mean, where where are you trying to grow towards with your company today? Yeah, so we've been fortunate enough to run at um, about fifty locations. So they're all near military installations, but they're open to civilian and military alike. So we're really trying to foster that community connection um, because a lot of times like in the the surveys that are done and stuff, military families feel like they're on an island even if they live out in the community because we're like, oh, we're, we're gonna leave in six months. So I'll just make friends at my next duty station. You know, like you don't put effort in. And then also conversely, a lot of civilian people know we're leaving and so they don't put much effort into us either. And so, we're really trying to foster that uh, sense of community and support between civilian and military families. So um, we're trying to do that uh, and expanding to more locations. So um, ideally, we would be near most every military base, which that's a, a lofty goal for sure. But um, that's what we're trying to do. So we can give we run year round um, besides December. And so we try to give our kids access to play 
no matter if they have to go home for a month of leave and then come back or, you know, the PCS, which is moving and they miss the sign up. So now they can't play for five months. Like we're trying to give equitable access year round so that our players get the experience so that, you know, when it's time for competitive club, at least they have some good training um, that they can take with them. Currently, how many military bases are you guys, you know, do you have tiny troops programs across yep. the country and world? Where, where, how many do you guys have right now? So we've run up to 50. So um, we're in 50. seven. Okay. Yep. We're in 17 states um, and a couple countries. That's fantastic. And uh, if you were to have, I don't know what the number is, but if you were to have uh, tiny troops at every, you know, base in the country and world, kind of what, what would that grow from 50 to what, what are we looking at more than hundred? <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely more than the hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And outside of just having voluntold people uh, to, to kind of take the mantle, what do you kind of see this, the biggest obstacle? Is it just getting the word out? Is it civilians kind of seeing the need and jumping on board? I mean, how does, how does that kind of look like where, where are the kind of the roadblocks to growth in that regard? Well, I, I don't know that this is particular to the military. I think it's the whole coaching landscape that we have going on now. You know, we have a lack of coaches and a lack of referees. Um, and a lot of times because of the behavior of parents, right? So we see referees declining because they're like, I don't get paid enough to deal with that craziness, right? Um, nor do they want to put their teens in a situation to potentially have to deal with an adult losing their mind, right? So, so we're losing access to referees and then coaches. It seems like, you know, it's the same ones of us who are always putting in, putting in. So at some point, you know, like with me, I'm like, my husband's leaving this month and I have these three kids and like, I just can't right now. So like, we need other people to step up. Um, I actually just created a, a training program, Jason, and it's for the tagline says like, were you just coerced into coaching your child directing <laughs> and you have no idea what to do, right? So I put together this training that we have a video portion that we actually use for my coach trainers at Tiny Troop Soccer. We put some session plans, you know, minute by minute on there. Here's what the field is here, you know, just quick, like, here's what you can do. We know you don't have a lot of time. We appreciate what you're doing. Like, here's everything you need. So, um, I think that's one thing too, is some people, you know, I hear a lot, like I would volunteer, but I have no idea. And it's not that we want those coaches, right? But if we can arm them with information they can actually utilize, that's easy to digest and they can, you know, easy to put into action, then that would be helpful. How do you, um, so a couple questions. One, yeah. what does the curriculum look like? What's the length of the curriculum for tiny troops? Is it, you know, 30, 60, 90? Is it, you said you run year round, but what is, how do you balance kind of the, the kids that come into the program, kids who have been there for six months? How do you kind of balance all the fundamentals across the board? Like what is, what does the program look like? Yeah. So curriculum? yeah, our, so we run year round um, depending on weather and the locations, but So ours is a month to month basis. So we treat each month like it's a brand new month, like you haven't been there. And with our age of kids, Jason, that's not a problem because they need repetition. They need to learn to be comfortable with the ball at their foot. So when they move into rec, then they can start to think of those concepts that they're actually now able to conceptualize. Like Mm -hmm. they don't know what passing to an open player means when they're four years old. They just think, Here's a ball. I want that ball, yeah, and that's it. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, um, and so, we really 
focus on that. And so we tell our parents, like the skills you'll see month to month aren't going to change. Now, the, the activities we do and the way we do them, that'll change. Um, and honestly, we get a lot of people, Jason, that retrospectively are like, hey, we honestly, we weren't quite sure like how this was soccer because they want to see their kid playing soccer, like the traditional. And I'm like, no, not at this age. Like they don't get it. It's the one kid who can run fast and dribble and that's all that's happening. Right. right. So that's not beneficial. So, uh, um, that doesn't change outside of that age group, by the way, just in my experience, it's oh, still no, everybody right. just loves the kid that runs, you know, and just wants the ball and puts it in the back. Of the yeah. Head. Yeah. And that's not, that's not the sport. Right. So, um, we're, so parents will come back and say, we weren't sure, but oh my gosh, like my kid is heads and shoulders above everybody else dribbling the ball and like sitting and listening to the coach and just things that people don't think of as soccer, but like, your kid needs to know this to be successful on a team. So you don't like parents don't know that they don't want to see this. Like you don't want to see this right now in that game. You want to see them developing these skills that they, they right. can then apply to the game later. What would you say? I, I mean, I've got, well, man, I love it. As we're chatting, I'm, I'm going to have to grab a piece of paper because there's questions I want to ask and I don't want to forget. And they'll follow. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Brain. Tell me a little I'm bit sorry. about the skills that you feel, you know, three to five year olds, what are some of the most fundamental skills that kids need to be able to be successful long-term in the game? Yeah. And so many people, Jason, say, well, little kids soccer, anyone can teach little kids soccer. Or what are you even teaching them? How can they play soccer? Man, it's does like that hurting cats. Do you know how hard it is? <laughs> Everyone says that. And it burns me to the core because... I, I made up soccer integrity, that term. So my coaches, I don't hire anybody who hasn't played soccer before in some okay. sense, because I know that we know that teaching X, Y, and Z now is going to later lead to this harder concept. Whereas if you don't have that soccer experience, you're not going to be able to put that connection together and guide the kids. So um, the fundamental things, man, working on balance and coordination. So, you know, we throw little balance beams out there and we're doing different balancing games and we're doing games that, you know, they have to pick up something while they're dribbling the ball. So we're using both right and left brains. We're doing, working on things that are locomotor skills, like how my body moves, like uh, vestibular input. So how am I responding to the different things around me? Um, so th those are all skills. I mean, kids need them for activities of daily living, right? But they also need them to be a successful, stable body soccer player. So those are a lot of the gross motor skills we're focusing on. Um, Soccer-wise, dribbling. I mean, right? We can't do anything in soccer without being able to dribble. So every child has a ball at our sessions. We don't have lines. We are trying to get them as many touches on the ball as possible. So like I said earlier, they're comfortable with that ball at their foot and then later can move on to the gameplay concepts. Um, so dribbling, super important. Um, and then at this age, and, and even as they go up, is being able to operate independently of mom and dad. So, um, you know, a lot of them at this age haven't done anything outside of the home, like maybe not even school yet or anything. So they're used to mom being by my side and when we're doing this. And so our parents are required to be there, but we're, we actually say stay off the field. Like if we yeah. need you, we'll ask you, which is very different because a lot of times it's only the parent has to be involved. So we have to like kick the parents off the field. We're like, no, no, like we're trying to teach your kid to work without you and to listen to me as a coach, you know? So we're teaching those things that parents don't know 
that they want. But it's like, if you want your kid to be a good soccer player, this is what you need. And so when they're like, well, you guys don't even play the soccer game because we scrimmage for about five minutes at the end of our things. And that's simply to give the kids an idea, a feel of it, but also really to appease the parents, Jason, because that's what they signed up. That's what they want to see. But I'm just like, no. So I really try to educate them. Like, no, this is what you want to see. Before you go play the game, you have to actually know kind of how to act and operate. You know, mm-hmm. before you play chess, you got to know what everybody can do on on the field yeah. uh, or on the board, I should say. Um, can you tell me a little bit about parent education in the game of soccer? Uh, you know, you didn't you didn't start playing till you were like you said, sixteen years old. I doubt your parents had a great understanding or wealth of knowledge in regards to the game of soccer and. The typical thing I see on the sideline, like you said, parents will cheer athleticism, uh, speed, size, strength, without having a context of no, like being able to know what they're watching so that they can give positive encouragement. Um, can you talk about how um, parent education – first of all, where do you think parent education is on base, off base, like in just in, in the game in our country right now? And then can you talk about it kind of advancing the ball down the field a little bit as it were in regards to parent education, like what you'd love to see happen, what we need to move towards? Yeah, for sure. So you hit the nail on the head, Jason. Uh, my dad, you know, is like, well, I played football so I can tell you, you know, tell, yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh, dad, no. And um, – <laughs> And then it's still a joke of ours. We had a mom and uh, one of the girls on my college team and she would say, just kick it, just kick it. And so that's like still a joke we say now because, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I hear a parent say, just kick it one more time, you know, like that's not it. So man, it's a struggle. I I think it even starts with, and I'm sorry, I have my, my notifications going off here. I think it even starts with the parent meeting that coaches need to um, need to set. Or shot across the bow. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. from the beginning. And like when I coached, even before I had kids and I was just coaching for fun in the rec league, I had a parent meeting and I, I pretty much said like, my job's to coach, your job's to parent. Like you guys will be doing these things and I'll be doing the coaching. Now, with that, could I have provided more education? Probably because we got to the end of the season and a parent had said something. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a great idea. Like you should have let me know. And they're like, oh, well you had said like, and I'm like, oh crap. Like, well, I didn't mean that per se. Yeah. Um, but now through Tiny Troops, like in our, we do have an advanced skills session, Jason. So if they've been, if they're over four and a half and they've been with us for six months, we let them go yeah. on to this advanced skills session. Yeah. And we provide the parents a handout. That's like, here's the basic soccer terms that you're going to know. Like here, you know, here's things yeah. you might hear, you know, offsides. I even have like, don't worry about it. Do not yell offsides. You know, like, you sure. gotta, just don't leave offsides alone. So I think starts with your parent meeting. Um, if the if the clubs could provide some sort of an an easy to digest parent piece, so I'm not going to read like the FIFA laws, like here's a referee handbook, right? I'm not going to read all that. But if you told me some basic things and like here's what to look for, and here's some things you could practice at home, and like just basic concepts, I think a lot of parents would actually appreciate that because you know soccer really is just becoming popular, right? So they don't people aren't familiar with it. Like, and all we do know is what we see on TV. We don't know the concepts behind it. So I, I think that we, 
you know, as clubs, you could take on an education piece uh, for parents that would then change the landscape of what parents are saying on the sidelines, right. but also the help they can provide their player at home. Yeah, I, you know, as a parent, um, you know, for myself, even, you know, just using my own story, you know, I didn't grow up playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my senior year of high school, uh, our, our, you know, I, I, you know, football, track, I swam, played water polo, and I was like, I'm in really good shape. I play polo. I'm, I'm pretty fast. I'm going to go try out for the soccer team. Like, yeah. And I just was like, I'm athletic. I can do this. I can, yeah. I can run, and I, I like to fight. Let's, I, I think I probably want to be a defender. Uh, ended up almost making like the team, and we, I went to a pretty big school. Um, ended up, I wish I, I, I would have started my tryout process earlier because the coach was like, I can't take you on the last day of tryouts, but I wish you would have come last week. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. That was my soccer high school playing career. It ended before it started, but <laughs> – yeah. Um, I didn't have any framework other than I'm athletic, right? I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I kind of, you know, went to the world cup in 94. I got to go see the U S play in the Rose, oh, Bowl, nice. which was like amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, no framework back, you know, mm-hmm. again, I'll date myself, you know, back, you know, being in high school in the late nineties mm-hmm. and then eventually being a dad and really loving the game, falling in love to the sport, you know, kind of with the world cup through, you know, the two thousands, early two thousands, um, and wanting that for my girls, um, became a rec coach, didn't have a framework of what it meant to coach, but I knew some of the concepts that I wanted them to have. Mm-hmm. So started doing all this research and creating fun games, you know, for my kids and on the girls and my team to play and had a really good time. But as a, as being a parent, not having grown up in a soccer culture, not growing up in a soccer country mm-hmm. because it's still growing in ours. Right. We, we see with every generation more of a broad, broadly educated mm-hmm. soccer basis. But most of it is the European model, right? right? We don't really have an American identity, but but it's it's starting to kind of b- go from being very yeah. you know out of focus to being more clear of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, um, and that's a lot of things that we're trying to develop with Soccer Geeks is that how do yeah. we actually invite every parent across the country to be a l- uh, to watch their kid play the game, but also be a little bit more aware of not just the tree let's see the forest through the trees a little bit more. Right. And, and what we've been developing is, is really educating parents and players kind of what to watch for in the game. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We just watch efforts. Like we're Americans. Like we love to see, uh, any, uh, you know, a spectacle of strength and athleticism yes. and fight and win. I'm a Se- Seattle Sounder fan. So that's like their big thing. Like <laughs> Seattle, fight and win. We just, we want to see some, you know, hard work, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and outmuscle the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not bad. That That's fantastic. But in the context of soccer, as opposed to like American football, that right. does some very different things. Yes. You know, being the dad of girls, I have a lot of other dads on the sideline that just love and watch NFL or NBA. And they just want to see their kids just mow everybody down. If their daughter is a center back, they want to see him dribble the ball all the way up the field and score a goal. That's, right. That's, that's that might be awesome. That that's not what we're looking to do here. So exactly, how do we, how do we continue this process of educating parents to to watch the game better? Like, what are some ways for you as a mom, or when you're educating other moms mm-hmm. and dads of how to grow a love for the game outside of even tiny troops? What are some of the ways that you've you've encouraged families to grow their knowledge of the game? Yeah, so I always try to share like on our pages when the national teams are playing, um, specifically the women's team, but um, that because 
I think that's how it starts to cut. That's how people get interested in it is seeing like high level participation of it. So I think that's one way, like we encourage like, yeah, watch these games. And I think with the players becoming more well-known, it's making it not so like, Oh, this random soccer thing. Like it's starting to slowly become a fabric of what we're doing. Um, So I think like supporting those teams, supporting our pro teams, trying to get them more, um, you know, exposure and just make soccer a more common thing. Um, so I think it starts there. Also, with with the um, education of the coaches and like maybe clubs empowering coaches to kind of address those situations. For example, um, one of my good friends is a rec coach, and there was a parent on her team like just saying some rude things to the ref and then also just saying like inaccurate soccer things. And so afterwards she addressed that person and was like, Hey, just so you know, like this is why we do this and this is the concept behind it. And also like, don't talk to refs that way. Right. So (laughs) trying to hold that person accountable. So, but I know not everyone would feel comfortable. So Jason, I don't know. I don't really have a good, um, I, I haven't figured out, but I mean, like from my perspective, I start small and do what I can in my area of impact. And so I think that's what we all could do, you know, and yeah. maybe if you are a parent who knows a little something or a coach that just offers to your club, like, Hey, I would love to just do like a quick, like literally soccer one-on-one for like a half hour. If someone wants to do it yeah. or, you know, come and learn a little bit or ask questions. Like, yeah, I, I, I you know, we again going back to we don't have this large base of watching soccer communally mm-hmm. fam- like mm-hmm. familially right so the big yeah. thing that i've seen is you know in my house there's all there's almost always a game on mm-hmm. like just in the background on a tv in the house so when anybody's popping by or they hear terms or they hear you know the commentators mm-hmm. talking about the game whether it's in english or in spanish even though we don't have any fluent spanish speakers in the house like there's it's still on um you know, we, we are continually have the game access to the game. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a really important thing because I just don't think we're fluent in visually watching. Uh, I, one of the things I think is always really funny is uh, when the coaches invite the parents to go play with the kids and oh, the parents versus right. kids. Um, that's, that's like a huge opportunity for the kids really to show off and nutmeg the parents. And my, my girls absolutely love that. Um, and it's just, you know, picking up the ball and going to the park because, you know, like what you're even trying to do with tiny troops, it's about that child's relationship to the ball mm-hmm. because the ball is the gateway to the game. Mm-hmm. The game is all about that ball, all about it. And so the child's relationship to the soccer ball is that that is the key that opens the door for them. And, and, and really that's the key that opens the door even for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always kind of looked at that, you know, uh, I get so excited as a dad when it's when my kids spontaneously play with a soccer ball mm-hmm. when they like they grab the ball and they want to go outside and they want to go juggle or like dad let's hop on the e-bikes let's go down to the park and take a couple shots it's like i will i will burn half the country down to go make those opportunities happen because that's the game being um maturing and and growing in their heart in the fluency and, and the culture and the the language of our home um so those are some things that i've kind of seen um uh, that have that have that have kind of you know just grown in, in the culture of our our house yeah. And to speak of that, Jason, so that's what I remember. Like, so my dad didn't know soccer and neither did my mom, but I don't want to tell you how many hours they spent with me at the park just doing long balls and doing drills and putting up cones, you know, so they didn't know anything, but they, they took the time 
to go with me and help as much as they could. And even now when they're talking to my, my uh, U10 player, they're like, do you know how many hours we spent in the backyard with your mom doing this, you know, and, and that's impactful too. So I guess don't discredit yourself either. Like get out there with your kid and kick the ball back and forth, even if you don't know what you're doing per se. Yeah. So many people grew up right with a, uh, with a baseball and a baseball club, mm-hmm. just playing catch and just throwing it. There's, there's nothing less from a sporting standpoint than just having the ball and kicking the ball back yep. and forth or yep. grabbing friends in the neighborhood and doing the same thing. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a home where I had that father figure, you know, to go do that. So it was, those were my friends or my friends' dads, but I, I yeah. went and found the game with whoever would play it with me type mm-hmm. deal. And so I always think that that's, that stuff's really valuable. And for a lot of families too on base, dad or mom might be deployed. So they're not there to have that. And so having that community is just, it's so, it's so vital and it's so important. Um, got a couple more things we want to round out your conversation today. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you is that if people wanted to get involved in tiny troop soccer, or they wanted to be able to donate to the program, you know, what are, what are some of the most impactful ways that they can do that? How would they do that? Yeah. So we're always looking for coaches. So you don't have to be affiliated with the military to work with us. Um, that's just part of what makes us unique, but that is not required at all. If you love kids, you love soccer, we would love to have you on our staff and they are paid positions. I know that's different than a lot of, than a lot of places, but so we um, welcome anyone to join us. And if we don't have a location where you are, and you think it'd be a great idea, we'd love to get, you know, chat with you to possibly get one started. So tinytroopsoccer.com is where you'll find our info. Um, Also we do sponsorships. So like if you, we had, over Christmas, someone just said, hey, I my son used to be in the army and I saw you have this near Fort Bragg and I just want to donate, you know, 50 bucks and mm-hmm. you you can use that. And so then we use that for to sponsor a child's month of yeah. play. Um, so we have that. We have a book here uh, that I wrote. I will be OK. Adventures of a military kid. This is on Amazon. But, um, you know, if you individually or if a company wants to sponsor some of these books, we make sure they get into the hands of military kids too. all that. You can find us at info at tinytroopsoccer.com, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Yeah. And we'll, you know, folks that are listening, you know, we're going to have all the links and everything like that in the description so that you can connect and kind of find those things really easy. Um, uh, what was darn it? What was on the top of my, my brain? Uh, if you were to expand to one more base, like where's the number one place right now that you're looking to expand tiny troops that you're looking for some, some helping hands in that community, where are you looking to expand next? Where's the yeah. need and where do you want to expand next towards? Um, so one new one we're looking at is, uh, Fort Rucker in Alabama. So if you're okay. close to there, uh, let us know. Okay. I just, I, I don't know why that just came out. Like, so if you're in Alabama and you're close to base, like, Hey, we, we need some, we need some uh, active souls down there to do that. Um, Amy, the last question we always ask, and Marissa's about ready to come and join us on the show, kind of round things out too. But the last question we always ask our guests is this, Amy, I'm giving you the, the wand to be able to enact one sweeping change in the soccer landscape in our country, maybe extending to military bases as well across the world, but you get to make one change in the United States in regards to soccer. Um, what would you change with immediate effect and to what benefit? I would change the barrier of cost uh, to competitive programs. I know a lot of disadvantaged communities, which um, military is considered a disadvantaged community, but also a lot of the minority populations. Um, soccer is an expensive sport. And yeah. and I don't really know why, because 
we don't have a lot of gear that we need, right? There's not, so like, why are these costs so high? So I think that if we could lower that barrier, that that could bring in what you were talking about and get more people involved with soccer. Um, so I think that would be great. I love it. That's that, you know what? I, I know how expensive competitive soccer is. Yeah. I have two kids that play it. It's, it's an immense and a huge cost. Um, that's just that's kind of the price to, to pay um, to play the game right now, unfortunately. So and, and it's like, why? Like, I get it. There's, you know, whoever hosts a tournament, you have expenses like, you know, but man, it just seems like it gets more and more. And then for the families, you're traveling. So that's all the meals out, the hotel, time off work, you know, all these things that a lot of people can't afford to do. Well, you know, I look at it. I'm in the West Coast. I'm in San Diego. You know, we mm-hmm. have. 70 marissa knows she hates to hear but you know we got 75 degree weather today in february 300 days a year 70 degree weather plus we can play soccer here Mm -hmm. 12 months out of the year i understand maybe the cost here but then i look at other programs across the country that are playing they they can't play in weather half the year and the cost is the same it doesn't make a lot of sense to me yeah yeah marissa welcome back what are your thoughts thank you yeah really good um i i love how you know you know, we've had other conversations with coaches and players and, you know, it it comes down to fundamentals sometimes. And that's what Amy and all the coaches are doing, you know, at the youngest age almost possible, you would, Mm -hmm. you would think. So um, it's really good to, you know, I know you, but uh, to get reminded of what you do and hear about the impact you're making in the community, it's pretty awesome. So we're glad to have you. Um, as a reminder, um, you mentioned the website where you get the book or your email. Um, you're also on social media. Can you just let us know what, uh, how to get in touch with you there? Yeah. So uh, personally, if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is great. So I'm Amy Tiny Troop Soccer on LinkedIn. Um, I would love to connect with people there. I like to share a lot of info about women in sports, um, entrepreneurship. So yeah, find me there. Cool. Awesome. Well, we uh, enjoyed your time, your conversation with Jason, and uh, we'll be sure to welcome you back. Hopefully, you can get some more input and say how your program's growing. So, yeah, for sure. Any last words? Great. Any last words, Jason? Yeah, no, Amy. Just thanks so much. Thanks for what you're doing um, on military bases in your 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 own neck of the woods and across the country for for kids and uh, growing the game in this country. Thanks for all your heart and passion to see the game grow in the United States. Thanks, guys. Same to you both.